Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers show. Now, are you being too reactive to invest in yourself? And the reason why I say that is because as finance professionals, we're typically the keepers of the keys to the successful and financial health of organizations. And when the businesses we work with need information to be successful in their decision making, they tend to reach out to their finance teams, which makes for us a very reactive mindset and responding to them, which sometimes then spills over into us perhaps not investing as proactively in ourselves to further the value we can offer. And this is just one of the many topics this week's guest mentor, Stan Besco, and I discuss, as well as covering areas like Stan's invest in yourself mantra. And one key simple step we can all take as individuals and leaders to achieve this aim. And also why perhaps organisations tend to invest less in the development of their finance staff as opposed to other departments like sales or executives, as well as some great practical advice on how to become a catalyst and the trap of maybe falling back under the status quo as we sometimes can be guilty of in finance. So look, hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please let your friends and colleagues know about it. We're on all the major platforms, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes and YouTube. And I really enjoyed the conversation with Stan, particularly given that he was recommended by a previous guest mentor, Brett, who was on the show. So, so as always, really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to Stan and the show. One of um, our previous guest mentors, Brett, recommended you to come on the show. So I know a little bit about your career background, but some of our audience may not be as familiar. So would you mind perhaps sharing your story of your journey in accounting and finance? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yes, you would have met Brett Bergon. So he is my business partner. We've got a company called Be Inspired Finance. And uh, essentially what we've done is taken our aggregated experiences in leadership as finance professionals and trying to turn it into something that uh, the rest of the market could use because uh, the two of us have been through a a number of large corporate experiences. We've had our view of what it looks like at uh, you know big Fortune 500 company, and in fact, uh, the companies we were with were Dow 20 companies. So uh, there's certainly a lot of politics. There's certainly a lot of uh, struggles that you face, but there's a lot that you learn through the process. And in our finance roles, we had a, a great purview of you know of the organization from top to bottom because we we were the feet on the street in terms of getting business done, but we also had uh, a great connection into the strategic and profitability um, directives for the company. So uh, going to my experience, uh, I had uh, worked in the corporate world for about 22 years. Uh, I've got an MBA. Um, Brett, my business partner, went the accounting route and he's got a CPA. And the two of us together have some great ideas uh, around how we can help uh, finance professionals develop themselves, 
build their careers and take a very proactive approach to making themselves successful. And, and I guess that's very much of interest to our audience, Stan. So, uh, so one of the, the mantras that Brett said I should ask you about was this invest in yourself concept. So would you mind maybe elaborating a bit more on Sure, absolutely, Andrew. And, and just to give you a little bit of uh, uh, perspective, and uh, you know, I hope I don't generalize too much, but it just in my experience of having worked with finance people uh, over the years, uh, if I was to contrast a company's approach to the way they manage training and uh, set directives for sales versus finance, I would say that uh, in general, a sales organization gets a little bit more focus, a little bit more spending in terms of training budgets uh, from the perspective that the company has a quantifiable measure of the return that they get on their investment and in training. So put another way, uh, a salesperson has a plan that they have to attain and the company can clearly see whether there's growth on that plan, whether the salesperson is achieving the plan or coming in under, and they've got ways to uh, invest in terms of uh, giving them negotiating training, product knowledge uh, training, that they can see a return on the investment that they put into a sales organization. Where by contrast, a finance organization is, is less tangible, right? It's, it's a critical role within the company, but because you've got a closed cycle, you've got your day-to-day -day activities, it's not really as quantifiable that if I give this finance person a little bit more training, I'm going to see X results. So in the teams that I've managed over the years, I've found that there's, uh, you know, uh, I'd say a spectrum of whether you've got a finance person that really takes handle of their career, they make the investments in training, uh, and uh, they're very proactive in developing themselves uh, versus the one who you know just wants to do their job really well. They're caught up in the day to day. They're it's it's more of a reactive uh, state of mind that they've got. They just want to get their job done. And what happens is uh, often those finance people tend to want to start moving roles when they've exhausted the role, when they're a little bit disengaged or a little bit frustrated, and it's time to move on. And that reactive type of movement, you know, ends up having you go into the wrong position. And it also didn't give you enough runway to build the, the skills, the credentials, the visibility that you would need to move on to the next role. So uh, the invest in yourself and, you know, just to give you a little bit of further background, I had uh, a stint where I was working out of Europe for three years. And in that part of the organization, there was a morale issue. And uh, it's because they were that far removed from the uh, Silicon Valley headquarters that uh, the finance professionals uh, especially felt that they were a little less engaged. They got a little less uh, focus from the company. And by putting in this invest in yourself approach, and I'll go into detail what, uh, you know, one element of it that really made the, the change. And it was well received by the organization. The uh, you know, the idea was that I wanted to get these people thinking about their careers and helping them understand they have to take ownership of their careers. They can't rely on their managers. They can't rely on the company. They're the ones who are responsible for what their outcomes are. Is that fair? Yeah. 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 I, actually, just, just on that point, though, though Stan, I, 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 I want to relate this back to our audience as well. You know, we are based across the globe. We did raise a very important point, and and you know, having led European-based teams in the past, a corporate multinational, sometimes that does happen. That you can, you know, I remember coming into one business, 
and the team had poor morale because they felt they weren't being kept in the loop with their corporate colleagues that were over in HQ and on another continent. And and it and it does happen. So so what you're saying is it's not an isolated incident. I've I've seen it myself and I've heard it from others that listen into the show. So um, so very keen to to understand how you were able to turn that around. Yes, and you know the thing is uh, one of the the biggest frustrations, and I'm sure you can uh, attest to this, uh, Andrew, is the time zone difference made it especially difficult because you know it it layered on the frustration that well, why does everything everything have to be done in Pacific Standard Time? Why does everything have to be done on that time zone? And so not only are you at the mercy of the schedules for the North American team, but you also don't get the benefits of you know the, the training and the visibility and you know especially when promotions come around or new opportunities they don't think about the Euro- European team or the, you know, the foreign teams that way, but they do need them on those calls when it comes down to close cycles, when it comes down to discussions. And so you have these Europeans that were working odd hours and trying to keep up with the rest of the company, but not really seeing the return uh, from an investment standpoint, from a promotion standpoint. So definitely. absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. definitely. I mean, and look, and, uh, you know, and what I would probably suggest is it's by no means impossible. It's just slightly more difficult uh, being so far removed and in a, another time zone. But uh, there are advantages with that as well. And but but I what really impressed me is this sort of invest in your yourself idea, because regardless of wherever you are, it seems like it's the right thing to do. So I'd love you to, to delve in and share some of those steps with our audience. Sure. Absolutely. So essentially what I had done, and and I was tasked with one portion of a people development track uh, that was part of building up the morale within this European organization. And uh, what I had, uh, I had done a few presentations and uh, I really got the organization bought into this was the idea that when you look at a typical week for a finance person, they're caught up in a workday minus 10 to workday plus 10 close cycle. They tend to be in a reactive state where the business has demands on them, uh, you know, providing gross margin information, providing these reports because, uh, you know, in, in most cases, finance person is the keeper of the keys when it comes to the health of the business. And the broad organization from sales and marketing operations they need that information and so finance tends to be in this reactive state and what ends up happening is they go from week to week just really supporting the business not really looking out for their own interests and when they're ready to move into a new role they look up and they realize okay well i'd like to do this new role but i haven't really built those relationships i haven't um, you know extended myself done skip level uh, meetings uh, looked at different organizations where i think i might want to go to at a later date and built up those relationships and so what i had uh, put in place is Taking a calendar entry, and I did this, uh, it, it spanned across about, uh, uh, I think it was 140 people in the European finance team, and I blocked off their calendar. So I sent out an invite, and it would actually, uh, you know, you in the Outlook, you can actually put, uh, put it down as busy or out of office, and I would block out their calendar, and they'd have to accept it. And so what, uh, what was in that was I would get feedback from this group of people. Uh, I would take, uh, you know, almost like a poll to see what sort of top of mind things uh, were interesting for people who were, were doing the reading, who were, uh, you know, uh, going through skills development. 
And I would take that content and put it into a one hour or two hour block, depending on the week. And that finance person who accepted that invite would then be tasked with making sure that they cover the content. So whether it was a video, a video on demand, whether it was a, you know, a one hour training course, whatever the case was, I almost forced them to do that training, but it was really incumbent on them to make sure that they didn't let another meeting uh, override that blocked time, right? So that, that was a communication part of it, was making sure that you have to protect that window, right? Yes, there are always going to be meetings. There, there are going to be demands of the business that are going to want you to take that meeting away and move it to another time. And, you know, if it is critical, then yes, move it to another time, but don't delete it. And in doing so, I, f I made it easy for them by feeding them the content that was submitted by others who felt that this was really good stuff. And it was soft skills development. It was taking some of the negotiating training that the sales organization was going through. It was top of mind economic information. Like it, it, maybe it was a, um, in a Harvard business review paper or something like that. But it, it all the, the idea was giving them the content that all they had to do was just spend the time and make sure that they could disconnect from their job just for that one or two hour window. And it would be an investment in themselves, right? And it was an invest in yourself approach because they could have easily just deleted it and then just gone about doing their business. So it was encouraging them to take ownership of their own careers. And uh, so the other part of it was, and this goes back to uh, one of the elements within the Be Inspired Finance uh, training concept is this ME3, right? So M is a mentoring piece, but the three E's are exposure, experience, and education. And so if, you, if you're very uh, focused on developing your career, if you break it up into those three areas, the education piece, which is developing skills, which is, let's say, getting an MBA, getting a CPA, uh, getting some credentials by your name, uh, taking additional training, that's the education piece. The experience piece is doing a job that maybe is not uh, on, you know, part of what your day-to-day uh, -day looks like. So let's say you become part of a cross-functional team. Let's say you take on a project that is a little bit out of your realm, but it now gives you exposure and experience to some other part of the business. So, you know, that all adds up to you becoming a more well-rounded um, uh, individual contributor or uh, manager that over time, when you add up all those skills, you become that much more marketable, that much more valuable. And then there was the exposure piece of it, which was doing the skip levels, making sure that if your name was mentioned, so, you know, who's Andrew Cutt? Well, yeah, I know that guy. He was part of this team or he, you know, he contributed significantly. He made a, you know, a big uh, change to the way we look at margins or something like that. And so those three E's now make you that much more marketable, that much more visible. So this way you've invested in who you are. Yes. Yeah, it, uh, and I, I like the way that it's it's three things, so it's not too much to think about. But I just encourage our audience. I think that's a great list. It's just it's just to make sure that you're at least focusing on an element of each of those. I think that's a good spread because you know we, we generally we're a curious bunch. We tend to like the education. I suppose we're quite comfortable with that. But there's the other bits around exposure and experience, which are very key in, in growing us and uh, uh, leveraging a return on investment. Actually, speaking of which, I I want to pick your brains a bit on, on this stand because I, I, I do agree with a comment you made er, made earlier is that a lot of what we do in finance is 
more intangible when you compare it to teams like sales that you can quantify with a, a sales quote or, or, you know, look at what they've booked or sold. So, so like, I mean, how do we sort of, we make this investment, how can we demonstrate a return on it in your mind for the business to make, make it easier, you know, an easier case to say that we need to be doing things like this? Well, you know, that's the thing is um, where I've seen uh, success in the teams that I manage. So I've managed small teams, I've managed large teams. And I I would say that there are elements that, um, you know, really take a finance person and make them differentiated, right? So if I was to look at, uh, let's say, you know, top five or six things that where I saw people who, uh, you know, back, let's say 10 years ago when I was managing them have gone on to uh, do bigger and better things, they all exemplify certain qualities, certain approaches to the business that not only made them change agents for the company overall, but also held their career, right? So if I was to, you know, uh, know, let's take the top five, uh, one would be focusing on development. So again, going back to this invest in yourself, they took a very proactive and, uh, you know, directive approach to managing their careers, to broadening, you know, their skill sets, to making sure that, uh, you know, like if you look at um, finance, you do tend to have a lot of specialties. You have a tax person, you have an account person, you have somebody with a sales finance, you know, um, you know, will look at part of the business. And so there's an opportunity to specialize to be able to offer value, but at the same time, you want to generalize so that you open up opportunities. So you're not pigeonholed so that you do have, you know, a broader view of the business and you can actually connect the dots between where the company's going with what you have to do at your granular field level. So I would say that one, those people did focus on their development. Two is they broadened their network. They made sure that people they knew who they were. So they would do skip levels. They would do cross-functional engagements. They would set up one-on-ones with organizations that were out of, you know, their day-to-day activities in an effort to make sure that they had a network that they could rely on when, you know, when the time came to ask for favors or when they needed to get visibility into something. And also they made sure that they had a network outside the company so that it wasn't, if you looked at their LinkedIn profiles, they weren't, you know, 90% of the uh, people that they were connected with were not within their four walls, right? They actually had a network that was in the broader industry. And so those people tended to be much more marketable because they were, they were engaged. Uh, three, I would say um, spearheading opportunities. So to your question about how does finance um, differentiate themselves, how do they get that tangible piece, is spearheading opportunities to affect change. Right. So become a catalyst. And, you know, when you look at uh, uh, some of the books that are written, this whole catalytic behavior is doing something differently. Right. Is don't follow the status quo. How do you challenge, um, you know, the norm? Right. Because that's that's often what happens is when you get into these roles. It's just easier if I just continue to do it the way that everyone's been doing it because that's what's written in the policy documents. That's the way it's always been done. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, unlike in finance, we can slip into that trap sometimes, can't we? Because we set up controls, but of course, business models and industry are constantly changing. So it is right to challenge change. So we're very well placed to do that. Um, so I know I could across you there, but that's a big one for me is is being that catalyst and, and challenging the status quo. Uh, complete can really resonate. Oh, but uh, I, I think you had a couple other ones as well. There, there stands. Sorry, I cut across you. 
No, 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 that's fine. No, because I think that the catalyst one is important because, uh, you know, that's what companies are looking for. Like you, you see, uh, especially the public companies that are really under pressure with expense management, with, uh, uh, you know, tight budgetary cycles, they, they all want to do more with less. And yet the, the shareholders want more visibility. The company wants to be more uh, responsive. They want timely information. So essentially, you're trying to get more information out of your finance team to deliver to sales in a timely manner with fewer people. And so you, you're almost under you know, pressure to become this catalyst for change. Like it's, a, it's applying the 80-20 rule. Where am I going to get 80% of the value you know, for you know, for my efforts. And so um, the people who I've seen be really successful are the ones that have this catalyst type approach where, you know, why does it have to be done that way? Why can't I do it this way? And so spearheading those opportunities, even if you're not in that leadership position where, you know, you've been tasked with it, it's just recognizing that there's an opportunity to do something differently and having the foresight and the courage to take ownership of it. Right. And not ownership in a, an arrogant, you know, everyone follow me, do it my way sort of approach, but it's say, Hey, let's, let's all get together and talk about this. And, you know, so I, I'd say to answer your question again, is that that is a way that you can actually show value, not only to the finance organization, but to the company overall, because you're now making the company much more effective. Yeah, I agree. And look, um, I, I know I say this tongue in cheek, but you know, we, we we are there. I mean, I suppose we have grown out of accounting, and you know, as accountants nowadays, you know, we used to have to account for a lot of tangible assets on the balance sheet. These these sort of intangibles that we hear about, you know, we're very good at accounting them for businesses, and, and we're obviously trying to improve there. But these these items, they they may come across as intangible, but they're still valuable. So, you know, there's still very good reason to recognise you know those steps. I really like how you laid that out, uh, Stan and. I think going forward, people just need to embrace, you know, a lot of the value we can offer is more than likely intangible in nature. Yes, we'll help deliver results and, and help business execute and so on. And we might see some of that flow through to the bottom line. But I, I firmly believe if, if people focus on what you just listed off there, the number of steps there, Stan, I think, you know, people will start seeing value realized on those investments of time by blocking their calendar off. So really, Really appreciate that advice. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and I suppose, look, I'd love to to step it up in a minute. But uh, before I do, I, I'm also curious to ask, um, what's exciting you most about your current work? Uh, I, I like the fact that I can take what I've learned over all the years and start to, you know, translate it into helping other people change their careers. Because I can, I can see the response when we walk them through some of the things that we've been through, some of the things that we do. Uh, it it sets off, uh, you know, a light bulb, right? They say, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I'm facing. That's exactly what I need to be doing. Um, I'll tell you one of the things that is really resonating well with people I'm talking to, because they they face the same thing is again, you know, I don't want to generalize because I, I'd say that there's a good portion of people that are in this uh, camp and not every, you know, finance person is that introspectively focused, but I would say a good portion of them, you know, are afraid to stick themselves out into the broader organization, are afraid to take that advisory role. And part of that is because they're really, um, you know, well uh, versed at finance and they, they understand their roles. They understand the inner workings of 
you know, the, uh, the, the accounting department, they understand all those elements, but they don't feel as comfortable with what the salesperson is facing, right? With what the, the you know, the co company is selling. And so, um, and this is where I've been able to really affect my teams over the years is get yourself involved with the sales organization, sit across from a customer with your accounting, right? Understand what they're facing because the more you understand your product and your market and the customer and what the salesperson is facing, you become almost like a business partner. Right. You become an advisor because now you can straddle the balance between making sure that there's compliance and uh, you're, you're looking over the company's best interest from a profitability standpoint, from an exposure standpoint, uh, revenue recognition, all those sort of things. But you understand more what the accounting is facing and you add value from that perspective because now you can speak their language. You can you can relate to some of the challenges that they face and you become much more of an advisor then you are this, you know, this uh, uh, walled-in finance organization that when we throw things over, we're hoping for the best answer, but we, we don't always get what we want. And I'd say that that's where people got the most value is recognizing that they can get themselves out there just because they're finance doesn't mean that they can't get more, much more involved in the business because there's always that, you know, underlying theme of don't go native, right? If you, <laughs> yes. you're supposed to be the fiduciary <laughs> the company. Yeah. And there's always that risk, but that's where you have to strike that balance. You build the relationships within the broader organization, show that you're a business partner. And there's there's a lot of um, reports that come out from McKinsey and from you know different think tanks, Boston Group, that talk about the CFO role changing. That you know there's a lot of CFOs that are not even finance backgrounds. I mean, it's the idea. The same way that CIOs don't always have to come from IT, right? They just have to know how to create a path that uh, ties into the strategy, but understand what your organization is trying to deliver overall. And um, from a finance standpoint, they're looking more from that CFO to become that sales business partner, but make sure that the company is still staying on side when it comes to compliance, when it comes to meeting all the financial reports reporting rules, making sure that they're profitable, making sure expense management is there and be accountable for all that. But they, they really are looking for more of that business partnership overall. And that transcends down from the CFO right down to the field level. Definitely. Yeah, I definitely see a switch in that trend and it's it's long overdue. We have so much um, opportunity or assistance or advice we can offer the business if we only took the time to engage and get ourselves exposed to it. So for great, great advice, Stan. And I suppose, you know, you've been giving us great advice. I mean, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Uh, I, I was, I was thinking a couple of things that, you know, when I think back to um, my career and the things that made me successful, it, it's a manager that cares enough to uh you know and especially people uh, out there who are looking to be managers is don't micromanage right give enough advice give enough rope for the person to do what they need to do but still be there as a guiding uh, principle right and uh, i'd say one of the best uh, piece of advice i got from manager years ago was know what you don't know and i love that piece of advice because it's very simple but it's, it's, it almost drives you to go get information, to make sure that you don't say things that are gonna come back to bite you because you weren't really you know, completely informed, right? Because the worst thing could be is you if you give an opinion on something that you don't know that you're right, people are gonna remember that. And the more senior you go in an organization and the more mistakes you make when you say things like that, 
the more they remember. So I like that piece of advice is know what you don't know, because then it really encourages you to get to know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, that's, I like that actually. No, I, I like that. Um, very much done. So thank, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I suppose that that's our advice. If I was thinking maybe resources wise, could there be any resources you could recommend our audience uh, go follow up? And, uh, and I, I've got my own company and I'm on the corporate world. I still do carve out time to do reading to, you know, I love TED Talks. I love looking at, uh, uh, you know, stuff that's out on McKinsey. I subscribe to a number of, um, you know, websites that I, I don't want to get inundated with too much information, but you can never read too much, right? And, you know, you, you even see those things splashed across LinkedIn now and Facebook where it talks about CEOs today. Uh, reading 60 books a year because it's true there, there is so much information out there and all you have to do is just get little bits of each of them right and it gives you insights it gives you some motivation to the way you approach things and uh, i would say that that's that's what i still do and that's my advice is don't shelter yourself don't just you know immerse yourself just in your day-to-day -day. make sure you've got that outside view of what's going on because you know subconsciously you're connecting the dots you're you're trying to broaden your view on the world and it all helps with trying to link your, you know, two to three to five year plan out with what you're doing today. Definitely, definitely. And 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 Stan, should some of our audience wish to continue the conversation, where is the best place to connect with you at? Uh, well, I'd say that uh, uh, if you want to post my email, it's Stan at beinspiredfinance.com and that's B and uh, not B-E but uh, B and, <laughs> and uh, Besco or Bergen and Besco so beinspiredfinance.com is the best way to reach me excellent thank you Stan and uh, before we wrap up uh, any parting thoughts for our audience uh, I'd say that you know it's uh, finance is a, a really fascinating place because you know to my point earlier, you do tend to be the keeper of the keys. And uh, uh, I'd say that over all the years that I've been in finance roles, uh, there's been a transition where they have really been looked at as this you know in the past they've been looked at as this very specialized focused internal organization that you know I, i'm hoping that my expense will be approved i'm hoping my deal will get approved i'm hoping that i you know don't get in the hot water and they see now there's more visibility into what finance is able to um you know affect is what they're able to see and take that information and turn it into a value proposition. Make yourself a critical piece of the organization. And I'd say it's a, it's a great vantage point from that standpoint that you can actually um, you know, be a big part of your organization if you take what you do know within your organization and turn it into a tool for uh, affecting change overall. What a great way to wrap up the show. So. Stan, thank you so much for great insights. I, I love the concept, invest in yourself. I hope our audience listening or even leaders uh, within our audience do that uh, for themselves and, and their staff as well to, uh, and their team members as well so that uh, you know we're all investing in ourselves and then going on to demonstrate a return on investment, whether that's via the, the broader networks of uh, sort of uh, turbocharging or being that catalyst for change and uh, yeah, great, great advice, Dan. So look, thank you so much for coming on the show and investing your time with us today. Thank you very much, Andrew. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. So there you have it.
Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers. 